Hey friends, I know we're all in the midst of Christmas craziness. Our heads are down. We're thinking about that. But what are you going to do in the new year? What about Lent? Those 40 days leading up to Easter. Now is the time to lock in those plans so that you can pivot into the new year feeling strong. Our friends over at the Red Letter Challenge have the solution for you. They really are the 40-day church challenge experts. Not only will they really help you build an incredible 40-day church experience, but they've really created these daily challenges for your people to do to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. It's fun and amazing time, and so many people take steps towards Christ. They have two 40-day challenges ready to go, and they've just launched a third. Their original Red Letter Challenge is all about becoming a greater follower of Christ. Then they've got the Being Challenge and the Forgiveness Challenge. These are ready to go. They're turnkey, and they've seen incredible results, including many churches seeing an increase in 40% or more attendance in small groups. Listen, friends, good news for you. If you're a pastor and you haven't seen this yet, they want to mail you a free workbook, absolutely no strings attached. This is crazy. They're just going to send you a sample so that you can check it out. All you need to do is go to redletterchallenge.com forward slash church. That's redletterchallenge.com forward slash church or email hello at redletterchallenge.com. So many of these churches are pulling the trigger right now, getting ready for the new year. Red Letter Challenge is the solution for you. I would love for you to at least decide against them. Check out everything that the team's got for you. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you, and today is no exception. I'm super excited to have my friend Katie Cole on the podcast. Uh, she's been on a couple times before, and you know when we have repeat guests, it's because I think they're amazing. You need to listen to them. So today is definitely one of those conversations you need to really listen to carefully. Beginning in 2000, Katie served for 16 years at Christ Fellowship Church, Palm. This is the Palm Beach uh, Gardens, Florida, incredible church, leading a variety of really senior roles there as the church grew from 3,500 to over 20,000, uh, launched eight additional campuses and it's just an amazing ministry. But then in 2016, uh, Katie really did a gift to the broader church and pivoted to really help ch- uh, church leaders and not just church leaders, leaders of all types and different organizations uh, really lead and grow and has launched a ministry called Katie Cole and Company. She's had key roles with organizations that you will know, Leadership Network, uh, Replenish Ministries, Multisite Solutions. Uh, Katie, I just think is an amazing person. So glad Glad to have you on the show. Katie, welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you, Rich, so much. It's wonderful to be back. Yeah, it's going to be good. A good conversation. Last time you were on, we were talking about your book uh, that launched was all about developing female leaders. And this has been quite a season, I think, for all of us in kind of, you know, I, I don't know what to say about the pandemic. It's like, it's not, is it over? Is it not over? <laughs> I have no idea. It's been quite the last couple of years, but bring us up to speed on kind of since the book launched, where have you been at? What's been going on in your world? Kind of give us a bit of an update on, on where's Katie been at? 
Well, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar, Developing Female Leaders, I wrote really for men and church leaders to try and understand how to help uh, steward the female leadership gifts in your congregation, kind of regardless of denomination. I don't really take on that topic. I really take it on from a leadership uh, perspective. And so since that time, I am really thrilled to announce that the book has done way better than I thought it would and <laughs> has been uh, received really well from a lot of people. So I just I get to work with a lot of churches who are moving the ball down the field on this topic, a lot of churches that are re-examining uh, either their theology, but more importantly, how they're talking about their theology mm-hmm. and how how to make sure that what their church is living out and the culture they're developing actually matches what they believe about women, about men and women working together, about how church and the kingdom is supposed to function. And that alignment is really where we're seeing a lot more leadership momentum come from. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I've started sort of uh, branching out and expanding that to also helping women who are stepping up to the leadership table. There's a lot of dynamics that come when you take on those new opportunities. So it's been really fun to sort of tackle that issue from both sides. Love it. Well, one of the things I love about the podcast is it's like an opportunity to tap really smart friends and get free coaching. And so today I'm hoping you'll help me on this topic because this is one of those things. And we we're talking about this pre. I uh, have led mostly in environments that are. Um, theologically pro, uh, you know, women leadership. So we, you know, have it led in, in environments that are super restrictive to women. But I still look around, and and you've been helpful for me in this. Even just opening up, it's like the Jahari window, seeing something that I don't recognize. I look around, and I'm like, there's still just a lot of guys leading, though, and. And there are, um, I don't know that I've done enough to create opportunities for, uh, you know, women who are leading in, in the environments I've been in. And so I appreciated your coaching and, and leadership on that issue. Uh, but I'd love to talk maybe about the other side of that coin today, which is, which obviously I'm interested in as a, as a, as a leader. How can uh, we create the kind of environments where uh, not not just that the opportunity is created, but that women will actually step into them and will actually take those environments. What are some of those things that you're seeing in churches? Some of those um, factors that that people that are in leadership can kind of um, open up on, that can kind of excel on to and create the kind of place where uh, women not only have the opportunity, but then actually take that opportunity, actually step in and, and make a difference. I'd love to talk a little bit about that today. Well, I think you're right on the money with that, Rich. And I talk to a lot of senior pastors, executive pastors, campus pastors, guys that are really trying to help the women on their teams or even in their life. Like a lot of these guys are married Mm -hmm. to high capacity women, or they have young daughters coming of age into their early 20s. And they're like, I know they've got all this potential in them and I want to help that, you know, move forward. But many of them are are a little confused, honestly, because they've Mm -hmm. got these roles open, women aren't applying, or maybe someone takes the job, but she isn't really enjoying herself. You know, I keep saying Mm, leadership mm -hmm. is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be hard, but it's also supposed (laughs) to be some fun in there uh, when you Mm -hmm. use your gifts, especially in the kingdom like that. Uh, Or a lot of bosses who are like, gosh, this woman is doing such a great job, but she's always asking me if she's doing a good job. Or I feel like Mm. I need to constantly be telling her, yes, keep going. Like I want you to lead. And I don't know how many times I can say that. She just for some reason won't believe me. And so that Mm. kind of disconnect where we've got these great churches who want women to lead at different levels. um, And it's kind of regardless of the level of leadership, by the way, it's not just high level leaders. It's really all throughout the Mm. organization. Uh, And 
but they're not really embracing it or enjoying it. Many women have stepped back. The pandemic has been really hard on women professionally yes. in sort of all domains. Definitely mm-hmm. in ministry, we're feeling that even more. And so I think when we also add to those dynamics, a culture that isn't quite ready for women, or we have habits and practices that we unknowingly sort of put up barriers to women thriving in their leadership. We really do do a disservice to what we're trying to accomplish. And so um, some of the things that we can look at would be um, on the on the leadership side. So I say this is like kind of on the guy side. It's not really guys versus women. It's but if you're in leadership now in most churches, that's 90% of them are men. So right, if you're right. in the leadership space, some of the things you can look at is really pull the numbers off your church, um, like your HR system or even your volunteer development system. System and find mm-hmm. out where women are entering that pipeline and where they're dropping mm. off. If you see women growing um, from sort of entry level roles to coordinator leader roles to director roles to ministry leader roles and executive roles, and you see that moving forward uh, really seamlessly, then you're probably doing a good job. If, however, mm. you're like most organizations, we see a major drop off. When women move from sort of those lower level leadership roles to that any sort of manager level role. So a lot of times in most churches, that's going to be top key volunteer role, maybe an early coordinator role on staff, um, and then above that. So if you've got kind of this cliff where women sort of drop off the pipeline, then you know there's something in your culture that's preventing women from really finding their place, feeling confident, realizing it's worth it. A lot of women, especially female leaders, have a lot going on in their life. They want a good ROI on their time. So if they show up and they feel like they're not making a difference or it's not in their giftedness or people are against them or like resistant to them, they're like, listen, I can go run the PTA and get a lot more bang for my buck in my five hours a week. (laughs) Right? So taking a look at that and asking some of those people questions. So women who have sort of stepped out of leadership that you saw great potential and just say, hey, tell me what happened. What was your experience? What's it like leading here? And it I have a feeling you'll get a variety of answers. It could be anything from, Mm. well, you know, it seemed like it wasn't really worth my time or um, I kept asking for feedback. No one gave it to me and I really want to grow as a leader. So I decided Mm. to go someplace where I could get some help and become more of who Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be. Could be that Mm -hmm. um, I was on staff and I had this role, but you kept wanting to have meetings at 730 in the morning, which is car line. And so it could Mm. be simply changing when you have your meetings or you you mm-hmm. hang out with everybody in the afternoon when I'm you know, at home cooking dinner and trying to do homework time with my kids, and that's a priority for me. And so sometimes mm-hmm. we have these things in our culture that for most of the guys who are leading, it's a perfect time to do something, or it, it makes mm-hmm. the most sense, and life is easier when we can all get together for breakfast once a week. But for a <laughs> lot of women who are in different seasons of life, that may not be the best time for them. And so if you really want an environment for everyone, you got to make sure it's a win for everybody. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, again, it's uh, not rocket science, but it's amazing how, you know, we don't take that step of saying, "Hey, let's actually just have the conversation. Let's people pull people in the room." Help me with that. Uh, so it could be that, you know, I talk for a living. So you'd be like, "Is it this is this, this problem guy has a problem asking <laughs> questions?" But it is. Uh, it's like an awkward conversation, right? It's a t- it can be, it could be an awkward conversation. There could be, uh, you know, male leaders that are listening in to say that, to see exactly what you're seeing. They're like, they're listening and they're like, I could think of three women who have fell off this cliff as you, as you say, how do I start that conversation? How do I, how do I stay, say, Hey, like I'm a little bit, uh, I'd like to engage this, not just how did you as a person, but 
how did your gender play into this role? How do I actually have that conversation in a way that sounds respectful, that isn't, you know, that's not disrespecting, you, you know, a woman that I might have a conversation with? If I'm nervous about that, I'm asking for a friend, obviously. Not for myself. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think the first thing to remember is that this is awkward, whether you talk about it or not. So you bringing it up doesn't yes. make it awkward. True. It already is awkward. And women yes. are feeling way more awkward than you are about this. Um, so mm. I think it's important just to say that. Like, that's usually what I do. I'm like, I, I need to have an awkward conversation with you. And that just lets everybody yes. know this is going to feel weird. I acknowledge that it's weird. I'm uncomfortable yeah. also. Please, if you're uncomfortable, join the club. Like, let's just mm -hmm. dive into this. And it also, and sometimes I'll just say like, so it's awkward for me. I feel like I'm going into territory that I, I'm not familiar with. I'm scared I'm going to say mm -hmm. something wrong. I just want mm -hmm. you to know, here's my heart. This is why I'm doing yes. this. I yeah. care deeply so about our church. I care deeply about you and you being everything you're supposed to be in the kingdom. I care deeply that my leadership is something I can be proud of every day. And I'm worried mm -hmm. that I shouldn't be proud of what's happening right now, <laughs> but I don't know Ooh. what it is and I oh, don't know what good. to do yeah. to fix it. So I'm hoping you can share with me your experience. I'm, you know, it's a confidential conversation. You can't hurt my feelings because I need mm -hmm. to know this. Like you just give all mm -hmm. these open doors and give yourself room to be able to be honest and authentic with space to make mistakes. And I don't yeah, know really good. any woman who's going to look at you and say, I don't have time for you to be vulnerable and open with me and hear my story. <laughs> like, um, yes. And then the yes. other thing is, is I think it's easy sometimes to make a lot of assumptions about women um, or even their life stage. And that is another mm. area that I think I would really encourage all leaders to just uh, ask very open-ended questions about their actual life. So I see a lot of mm. pastors um, give a lot of women a lot of freedom. Like, I don't need you to come to this meeting if you have kids to pick up. Like, I want you to prioritize your kids. Mm. Well, first of all, that message only works for a mom who has kids. You have many women yes. who are leaders that don't have kids at home or maybe are single. Yep. So that's not a women's issue. That's a motherhood issue. It's actually a parenting mm. issue. It's Dad should mm. be concerned mm. about pickup also. Um, yes. So making sure that... but. Even even that statement, I want, I don't want you to feel pressure to come to this meeting. Well, that sends a very mixed message to me. Mm -hmm. So am yes. I a leader and it matters that I'm leading and my perspective is important to you? Or mm -hmm. does it not matter if I come to this meeting? Because honestly, I got a lot to do. If I shouldn't be at a meeting, yes. I don't want to be there. But if you're telling me you're asking me to lead and then you don't want me involved in leadership, that's a very confusing mixed message. If oh, you really so want me yeah, to yeah. come, change the time of the meeting. That's how yes. you value people's opinions and value their leadership contribution. Oh, that's so good. Well, that, I feel like that there is like a nugget that so many of us need to lean in on. I want to go back to something you said earlier, uh, again, because I've seen this with my own two eyes where um, – you know, I was super excited for uh, a team member who happens to be a woman who's like excelling in their job and uh, doing a great job. And I feel like I'm giving the feedback that is appropriate. I'm like, you're doing a great job. Like, I love it. Here's three things you've done in the last quarter that are great. And then, you know, we end up in a, a bit of a crisis moment where this person's like, I just don't hear from you enough. I don't know. I don't know whether you think I'm. I don't know whether you're succeeding on my side. I feel like I'm giving tons of feedback, but then they're they're not getting enough um, feedback. Help me get inside the head of individuals like that, um, because I I feel like that it might be a common 
um, or not a comment. It might be a thing that comes up in leaders who are listening in. I, I have seen that with my own eyes. Help me understand that a little bit more. This is very common. And really, it is less about being a woman. And it's more about growing up in an environment that didn't affirm leadership very early on. So we see this mm. also in minorities. We see this in people from different countries who come to this country and and, and engage in American style leadership. They're not really sure mm. where they stand. Um, so I just like to try and uh, articulate that this is not like a female brain issue. This is a sure. conditioned sure. Yeah, response to the first time you're in leadership. And if you think about when, for most guys, uh, their first experiences in leadership usually happens in their late teens years, early 20s. Mm. So if you think about a 15 or 16-year-old kid who gets up and shares at youth group and gives a, um, well, I guess guys don't share, you know, gives a message at youth group. Girls share, guys give messages or preaches, right? So a 15-year-old kid gets up and gets to give the message, right? He's going to feel like he's going to need some affirmation and your response to him is going to be, this was really great and uh, over here was really good and I loved how you this- You nailed and, it, dude. Yeah. And you, like, <laughs> there's all this feedback that comes. Well, you have a 35 or 40-year-old woman who's stepping in into some formalized leadership roles in your church for the first time, there's a bit of a 15-year-old still in here going like, um, so how am I doing, right? You're you're yeah. looking at a 40-year-old woman, but really sh- in leadership, she's a little bit more like a 15 or 18-year-old. So there's a piece mm. that you have to like take the individual under consideration and make sure that you are um, – making sure you're not making assumptions about her age based on your experience. So that would be the first thing to keep in mind. The second thing is it's a really easy trap to give what we call vague feedback to women, which is where it's like, Mm. great job, girl, or it was awesome to have you on stage or, you know, well done. You were awesome up there Mm. doing that thing. Well, as a leader, it's not really growth oriented. What women really Mm. need is constructive feedback. And we tend to, as a society, and definitely as leaders, we give guys way more constructive feedback and women more vague feedback or vague praise. And so when you give constructive feedback that says, you really did great at that meeting, the next time you do it, I want you to also consider X, Y, and Z. Or one thing that could make it even better next time. And I emphasize that word next time because for most women who grow up um, not practicing leadership a lot or having a lot of feedback it always sort of feels like this is the last time they'll probably do this, right? Like I got the opportunity to speak in Mm. staff meeting. They'll probably never have me Mm. back. So when you simply say that phrase, the next time you do this or the next promotion you get or next time you start a new job or the next team you lead that you walk into for the first time, keep Mm. this in mind or look for these. And it just lets her know, I see more in you than you're even giving me right now. Like there's more Mm -hmm. in you still to go. Here's how you can learn. Here's how you can grow. It affirms their leadership. It develops their leadership and it encourages her that you still want her on the team. I love it. The last thing. That's amazing. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say one more thing on the female side. So for all my friends out there who are women kind of stepping into this role, um, I do think there is a culture shift when you come into a male populated environment. And I call it male populated because I just find that most pastors aren't domineering in their maleness. They really want women there. Mm. But when there is a majority of men on the team, on the staff or in leadership, and many churches uh, sometimes mistake staff meeting. There's a lot of support staff who are women and not as many male pastors, but your leadership spaces are male populated. When a woman mm-hmm. comes into those spaces, it's not as easy to navigate. It, you do feel a little insecure, like any minority would. Think, Rich, if you were to go and be on a team with 10 mm-hmm. other women and you're the only mm-hmm. guy and the first guy to ever work with these women, it's going to feel a little awkward. There's going to be some jokes or some yep. culture, or some pieces that you aren't used to. 
it's easy to kind of have some insecurities about that or wonder what am I missing or how can I get better? And so for us as women, we really do need to make sure we're adjusting to the culture. We get to stay who we are, but we also have to learn to speak the language of our leader and the language of our culture. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you could do as a leader is when you hire a woman or even now with the women you lead to say like, hey, this is the way I give feedback. I do it once a year or I try to give you feedback right after the moment or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is that going to work for you? Like what kind Mm -hmm. of feedback do you want from me? Your job is to serve the people you lead. So if she's like, actually, I mean, I'll tell you what mine are. I've learned I need feedback right away. Like if I don't hear from my Mm -hmm. leader, like within 10 minutes of me ending something big, not everything I do, but if I get up and give a message on the weekend or I lead some big volunteer night or I do something big at staff meeting and announce a new vision... I need kind of instant feedback or I'm going to be like, oh man, like, did I blow it? Did I miss it? Is he trying to figure Hmm. out how to be nice to me and not crush me? Like those are all those kind of like sticky floor worries in my head. But that's something I can ask for. Not every woman feels that way. That's a Katie Cole issue, right? I need an Mm, instant mm. feedback. But then I also need a little space before I get a lot of constructive feedback. If you hit me with three things to do better Mm. next time in the first five minutes, oh, that is a little crushing to me. And so I want positive feedback right away. And then the next time at our one-on-one, I want to know what I can do better. Because by then, I've sort of worked myself through it. I've gotten over the emotions. I'm ready to hear some feedback. And so just knowing those two things and asking my leader for that revolutionized my comfort level in my job. Yeah, which is great. Again, great coaching we're getting here, friends, regardless of gender, as we're working with our team. But specifically, I appreciate the the help even understanding that. Now, you used a phrase there that stuck out to me. You said sticky floor. What do you mean by that? What That's a that's maybe a term that people haven't heard before. Oh, sure. Thank you. So you everyone's probably heard of the glass ceiling, which are those kind of invisible barriers that prevent women or other minorities from breaking through into leadership roles. The sticky floor is on the opposite side. It's actually those dialogues and conversations women have with themselves in their own mind that keep their feet stuck to the floor and prevents them from going for leadership opportunities, prevents them from applying to new jobs, um, makes them sort of doubt themselves or uh, uh, question their leader's choice and even selecting them for something. So it's those insecurities, those lies from Satan, those conditioned responses, the fourth grade teacher who told her she'll never amount to everything. Like all of those stuff tend to stay in women's minds much more concretely than it does in men's minds. And so we call that the sticky floor because we hold ourselves back in addition to having some systemic things that might prevent us from moving forward. So help me as a dad. I have a young adult uh, daughter who I I think is can turn the world upside down. Like I think the world <laughs> of her... I, I just, I am her biggest fan, cheering in the corner all the time. Uh, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm, at least I don't think she does. <laughs> so I'm not just saying that because I think she might hear. I really do. I think she's incredible. However, I have seen, now that you describe that, I'm like, ooh, there's some dynamics there where I, I feel like I'm like saying, go, 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 like run. And there, and there may be some things holding her back. What can I do as a leader in her life? Or, or maybe as we're thinking about leading in the church, how can I help uh, a young woman or a, a female leader fight the sticky floor? What are some things we can do to help on that front? Well, the good news is if you're a guy leader out there, your voice matters more than almost anyone else in affirming leadership. In your daughters specifically, there's mm-hmm. research around the impact of a dad's leadership on a particularly a for, firstborn girl's leadership. The number of females who become CEOs have a direct relationship to the uh, leadership <laughs> level of their dad. So there's something about growing up with a dad 
dad who sees leadership in them and affirms them that really can make a difference. But we translate that into the spiritual world too. So as a pastor um, in that sort of spiritual dad role, you really have an opportunity to affirm leadership and uh, call it out and name it. I really encourage uh, all leaders to use the word leader, especially around women. A lot of times we get Mm. sort of vague leadership like, boy, you really know how to take charge. Well, for most women, that doesn't feel like a compliment, right? But if you were to say to me, gosh, you are a natural leader or God really gifted Mm. you to be a leader. Whereas for men, leadership is baked into your discipleship. You're going to lead your family one day. You're going to be a leader in the church. You're going to lead in business. You've, You've heard the term leader and I adopted that as part of your identity. Even men who don't have any gifts of leadership feel like a leader. For women, even women with strong gifts of leadership have a hard time embracing their viewpoint as a leader. So that's the first thing. Affirm it, but use the word leader in the women around Mm. you. Um, And then second is there is a phenomenon called the missing 33%, which is this idea that as we develop men and women in leadership skills, somewhere around the mid-level manager line, we stop working on concrete skills about 33% or a third of the concrete leadership skills needed for senior leadership get dropped off for women. Um, And in the business place, we usually look at it as uh, things like finance and budgeting, um, uh, sort of aggressive negotiation skills, things like that. In the church world, I really think of it as things like communicating from a platform. Again, if you have Mm. a theology that prevents women from preaching on the weekend, it doesn't mean you don't want your women leaders teaching the Bible. But we tend Mm -hmm. to stop giving them opportunities to learn that or be challenged or get feedback. Mm. Uh, Things around budget and the concrete side of finances and ministry is a really key piece. There is most women out there don't understand how budget and OCF and uh, all those things work in ministry world. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to run their ministry in alignment to that. And then the third is kind of these home life balance things. Uh, We tend to start working instead of teaching those concrete skills, we tend to really work with women's confidence. And so we help mm. them grow confident, but really without the competency of these higher level skill sets, it's nearly impossible to be actually confident in your abilities. And so mm. one of the things like, Rich, I would suggest to you and the other dads out there is bring your daughter to your executive team meeting. Bring your daughter mm. into the budget That's meeting. Good. When you come home and talk about your day, talk about having to fire someone, the concrete sides of high level mm. leadership, instead of just, boy, it felt so good, or I really got to encourage someone, or I got to pray with someone. Those are great, but those are low level skill sets in the leadership mm. ranking. Um, There was a great uh, Instagram post I saw from this woman, and she was talking about the dad that she had. And uh, I I talk a lot of times about the princess culture and the Disney princess culture and how that kind of hurts women long term. And she was saying, I had a dad who loved the princess side of me. But what we would do when we prayed princess is he would put me in the chair and say, you're going to be queen for the day. And we'd get all my dolls around us. And he was my advisor. And he would say, your highness, there is some scuttlebutt happening among the horses. And she'd say, tell me what's happening. And he'd play out these really horrible like employee issues and she'd have to decide what to do. And then there's not enough food over here. What will you do? And so she became the queen, the leader, right? And she was her princess self, but she looked at herself as a leader, not waiting for some guy on a white horse to show up so she could finally, you know, be saved. Yes. So that kind of mentality shift is the power of our male leaders, but it's also the power of our dads to really help women grow into their leadership (laughs) in a way that they're fully who they are as the beautiful women God made them to be, but also completely the leader that God handcrafted into their personality and giftedness. 
That is so good, Katie. Again, you're dropping so much value here. This is super, super helpful. I love that idea around concrete leadership. I've said, I've worked with a lot of young leaders over the years, and there always seems to be this, um, there's like a sticking point around spreadsheets for some reason. And I have just hammered with young leaders. I'm like, listen, every, every leadership role that I've been a part of, eventually it comes down to working with spreadsheets. Like you have to, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You have to figure out how to use spreadsheets. And that like, that means budgeting. That means, you know, numbers. It means, you know, analytics, all of that, that is a part of leading. And, and particularly, I think in the church world, it's like, we, I think it's a good word you said there because we sometimes like, we just focus on all the soft stuff and the like, can they be friendly? Can they, you know, like people, do people like them? Can they, but but those things will only get you so far. You won't be able to scale uh, and lead without really a clear understanding of how to use spreadsheets and all all that. That's really, really good. So good. Um, now, the, I want to get to this resource. So you've launched a brand new resource that I really do want people to pick up. It's called Find Your Leadership Voice in 30 Days, How to Show Up, Speak Up, and Stand Out with Confidence. This is incredible. Uh, tell us why you put this book together. It's really more than a book. I know it's just a book, but it's it's really so much more than that. Uh, tell us about this resource. How does it relate to what we're talking about today? Well, after working with uh, several churches and church teams for the last few years, and I was running into this issue with women who were really not enjoying their leadership. And a lot of it had to do mm. with the way they were thinking about the job, thinking about themselves, the measurements they had for themselves. Female leaders are just chronically perfectionists and hold mm. ourselves to a lot of standards. Standards, or we kind of are watching everyone else around us and make that our scorecard rather than our actual job description or the, you know, mm-hmm. what our boss is giving us as feedback. So I really wanted to take kind of my best coaching of the female leaders I've been working with the last few years to kind of overcome these internal barriers. Um, and so mm-hmm. I wrote the book. It's a 90-day experience. Um, there's a little leadership reading every day. And I'm trying to do that Romans 12 thing of really renewing our minds, of really tackling mm-hmm. some of those things that many of us, uh, when we grew up, especially in sort of conservative environments or really just in North America in general. We kind of have these gender roles that we feel obligated to, maybe some messages we've either taken on for ourselves or other people have given us, and really try to really confront them with some biblical truth, some good leadership principles. Uh, I've had a handful of guys read the book and they're like, this is amazing. You should have written this for men too. Um, So there isn't anything about being a woman that makes these things special. But I did want to share more of my own personal story. I think spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. I agree, are the key. I think it's the reason I got to grow in my leadership so much as I was the one person of all men and women who showed up with the spreadsheet. So things Mm -hmm. like that about how to make your leadership concrete, how to think about things as you go in, how to find that leadership voice, what my gifts are, what my values are, how I don't compromise who I am, even as I step into a leadership team that's very different from me. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are all the things we sort of tackle. And then we do have some other resources, some coaching emails and some videos and small group curriculums, because we're really wanting to see women. I really know that women are a part of the future. I don't think the future Mm -hmm. is female. I think the future is together, men and women working Mm -hmm. together. But we as women leaders, if if the guys are going to open the door for us and unlock unlock it and let us in, then we need to make sure we're showing up with our full, confident self, able and willing to take on the leadership that God's called us to, and that we have fun and satisfaction and are fulfilled in doing it. So that's what this book is really Love about. It. So I was struck when I looked at this, uh, push back on this. I think this resource would be a great kind of team thing to do together. I, I, man, I would love to motivate a group of um, female leaders on my team to say, 
hey, I'll take, I'll, why don't we work on this together, kind of do this over 90 days? Is that the kind of thing you were picturing when you put it together? Or Absolutely. T- tell me about that. Yes. Uh, so my background is in human resource development. So training systems are sort of my uh, bag of tricks here. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yes. Um, and so a lot of the things that we do in the church is really um, connected to adult learning theory. And so when you do something mm-hmm. on your own, one, you know, just yourself, like reading something every single day for 90 days, there's a special thing that happens in our brain after 90 days where we start to really renew our mind and create some new neural pathways, uh, but then also doing it in community. So uh, getting a group of other female leaders together, particularly whether they're on the same team you're at, or maybe they're in the your church in general, maybe it's other professional women, if you don't have a lot of women who are leading in your church, and really band together. Because one thing women leaders tend to really stink at is building a great network of peer support. Um, Mm. leading as a woman is hard when you're ill in a male populated environment, it's even more hard. We have less time and less energy sometimes to build those female support networks. And so I really Mm -hmm. encourage you to kind of team up, go through the eight week video series. There are eight really great uh, leadership lessons that will help you kind of catch up to that 33%. Uh, That will really empower you and also give you the network you're looking for. Uh, It's one of the things I think most guys who lead churches don't realize, but Almost all the men on your team have mentors and peers built into your church staff. And when a female leader walks in, she's got a lot of great brothers, but she doesn't have those built-in mentors, those built-in friendships. And so I really encourage guys to make sure you're you're already paying guys to mentor men. Make sure you're paying Mm -hmm. for coaching and for these kind of resources for the women on your team. So at least it's equitable and fair what they have to maintain and support themselves and their leadership for you. Yeah, I love that. And and so friends, again, it's called Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days. I'd love for us, if you're listening in, to pick up this. I think if you're um, if you're dad of a, a young female leader, hey, this would be a great book. I literally just bought it. I'm like, I'm going to give this to my daughter. <laughs> uh, but also, I think like you're saying, getting your, a team together, say, hey, why don't we do this? This is a great time of year to be thinking about the new year. This could be a great kickoff for a group of women. And I know we talked about this last time you were on the show, but for me, one of my convictions in this area, it has been one of those windows of understanding over this last, I don't know, maybe 10 years. When I look back on my early ministry career, there was a group of guys who were older uh, mentors who I just did life with. I just was like in the car while they were serving and hung out at their houses. And um, and and that was foundational to my leadership. It it changed who I I was. And I, I one of the things, one of my convictions is, man, I and we don't you know we don't need to get into the Billy Graham thing again. Uh, but that that we're not create we have to work hard to create those kind of situations for particularly young female leaders in our environment. And this could be one of those to actually create some structure around that. Hey, let's actually encourage this conversation. This could be a great way to go. I can't recommend Katie and her resources anymore. She's just then I, she's incredible. So I would encourage you to pick up uh, copies of this. Don't just buy one, buy a bunch and uh, get some people. Anything else you'd love to share just as we wrap up today's episode, Katie? Well, I think I just want to talk to the uh, both the guys and the gals real quick. So guys, if you're out there, I do really think you hold the keys to these kinds of opportunities. And so when you believe in someone and resource them and acknowledge that, I can't overemphasize how much that means to uh, your female leaders. And for uh, all my fellow female leaders out there, I just want to encourage you to please stay in the game. Be creative 
creative, if you need to take some steps back, if your kids are struggling in school, like many of our kids are after the pandemic, please do what you need to do to honor all your callings, but don't give up on your ministry calling. Talk to your leader. See if there's a way that you can take a leave of absence. Go part-time. Don't give up your title. Don't give up your pay rate. Don't think that this is a detour. You might need to press pause or not be as engaged, but please don't stop. Uh, God really ne- has called all of us, and the church needs us to step into our calling. So um, just really want to encourage you to stay in the game. Amen. I would just back that for sure. You know, I just love that. Katie, this has been incredible. If people want to follow along, obviously they can pick up the book at wherever books are sold, Amazon and all that. But beyond that, if people want to track with you, with your ministry, where do we want to send them online? Sure. So my website is a great place to go, Katie Cole, K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E.com. And if you want more information about the book or the video series, or we have some packages for churches, uh, you can go to findyourleadershipvoice.me. Perfect. Thanks so much, Katie. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. And thanks so much, Rich, for all you do in the kingdom. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.